Welcome to the Embodied Aquarian Age podcast. This is Emily Trinkus, and I'm excited to share my recent conversation with soul alchemist and love warrior, Robin Duda. Robin is the co-founder of Sustainable Love Transformation and Training Center in Santa Fe, New Mexico, which supports people to sustain self-love and health and recreate relationships that function from the authentic nature of each person. In our conversation, Robin shares the personal initiations that shaped her path as a soul alchemist, as well as her perspective on the deeper processes currently unfolding in our world and our assignment at this transformational time. I'm grateful to our mutual friend, Kate Montana, for connecting us and making this conversation possible. And I hope you enjoy receiving Robin's wisdom as much as I did. So welcome, Robin. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. Oh, my pleasure. Good morning, Emily. Good morning. I am excited to dive in. We have a lot to talk about. Um, so, and I want to start with just how you got started on your path as a healer and a soul alchemist. Mm, great question. Even even hearing the name healer is is a little like a swirl for me because that is the first way I thought of my gifts, and yet now I don't I don't relate to that that title so much because I really see the power of what I've been um, initiated into is to turn on people's own ability to heal themselves. And so I immediately, when my gifts came online, um, when I had a near-death experience, I went into that paradigm of feeling like a healer because my spiritual activation was so big and I didn't know what else to reference what was happening to me other than, oh, I have this all this love energy and this energy of light that I just need to give and and this this must be what a healer does, right? <laughs> and so that was when I was 29, which I'm sure as an astrologist, you just like, oh yeah, 29. Saturn <laughs> but, return. Yeah, but before that, I uh, was always a very big empath as a child, highly sensitive, but mostly out of my body, which I didn't even understand at the time. Uh, I had a lot of um, disassociation, amnesia, but I was pretty much in everybody else's field instead of my own. And uh, yet gymnastics and, and dance and very physical things really helped me ground. So I went to graduate school after being a performer and a dancer and an improv artist and really wanted to ground a career. Went to New York City and tried to, tried to be a performer and oh my gosh, I'm a little short girl standing there with all these long-legged Broadway dancers. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to ever get cast. And there was that, that time of my life that I just could not fit into any mold And in my 20s. So I went to graduate school in dance therapy and social work. And it was a great program. They only took four people a year in, in the Hunter College. And I um, had an audition and a conversation and a movement audition. It was just really a profound entry for me. And it was the first time that I actually felt seen because I really understood the terms they were using about movement is the uh, map of your personality. And they weren't using the word soul in graduate school 
but they would say to your psyche, to your to your spiritual nature. And I really got a great foundation of my gifts were validated of being so sensitive. So I got two masters and I was married for uh, nine years at that point, or sorry, seven and a half. And then I went back to St. Louis, Missouri uh, in an attempt to have children. And my partner and I just fell apart. It was our hometown and he got an illness and I started seeing like, wow, I, uh, this is not my person. And I went back to dance and um, was very lost, really much into my mind, had a lot of academic focus of success. And um, my family was very, very bright scientists and academics. And I just was lost. And then the near death experience, the crash bang, <laughs> the bam, you're not lost. <laughs> you're just focusing on the wrong thing. <laughs> so, I mean, I'm laughing now. But it was intense. It was an explosion in my life. And most most of my relationships fell apart. I immediately uh, knew this was not my partner. And it was very hard for me to explain what I was experiencing to my family and to my friends that were very smart and beautiful people and logical and grounded. But they had just had no way to relate to what I was experiencing. And that was 29. And then to make sense of that uh, has taken me probably 25 years. And that's what the healing work came out of. And I could kind of give you a description of the download that has now, you know, really made sense to me now, uh, if that would be relevant to your question. Yeah. So, th so the near-death experience was a kind of I don't know, spiritual intervention or disruption, just something yeah. that just like <clears throat> severed you from the life that you were leading yes. and took you on a very different yes. path. But then I, I would imagine just finding a way to contextualize what had happened when it was yeah. something just so that just didn't fit into your then reality. It did not fit into my paradigm. I was very much um, focused on the, the social work paradigm that you're only what your environment sculpts you to be. But then my family was very much into DNA and biology and genetics. And so it was either, you know, your environment or it was your genetics. And there was no room for, I'm an eternal soul and you have a, an experience here that is unique to you. And you have wisdom beyond these years or beyond your body. So none of that was part of my um, journey, even though early in my childhood, my dad was a fundamentalist minister. Ah. So he had polarized into a very dogmatic perception of spirit, then came out of it when I was 10. And my older siblings were really, you know, painfully indoctrinated. When I went into a spiritual paradigm, they were like, ah, no, you know, because they had really been abused frankly, and so was I, but I, I didn't have as much connection to it. So when this experience happened where I experienced myself beyond my body, I experienced the infinite power of love that you just can't even find words for, you know, anyone that meditates and has those openings or has a near death experience or so many of your viewers know the truth that love is absolutely infinite. So when you go into that experience and you're not in your body, 
and you're way into a conversation that you don't know who you're having a conversation with, <laughs> but you're totally aware that you're having a conversation. <laughs> you know, you, you start to say, okay, this is an aspect of, of life and creation that, that actually has always been with me and has always directed me and is always the essence of who I am. So in this conversation, I was shown the, the profound love and then I could feel the gap like, well, why don't I have love in the body? And why is my life suck and sucky, you know, and why don't I can't get any answers? You know, I've all got all these degrees and I got honors and I got this and I got that. And and I still don't really feel good. I don't feel good in my body. What is that? So I just purge the voice with questions and I got answers and a lot of it wasn't um, obviously cognitive it was like a download into my eternal being and the primary download was that everything in your life in the physical is a mirror of what you're here to learn to love what you're here to learn to transmute what you're here to learn to integrate and there is nothing outside of you that is actually not you and yet you will discover that as you claim who you really are things that don't work for you will leave it, the healing process basically is a transmutation and a release of what's not you ultimately so you can return to your nature and at the time i didn't know my nature was love and so i was so enthusiastic out of my body i was like well i want to do that I want to have love in my body 24 7 well yeah and then the voice said well you better start breathing i guess i have a choice and then i was shown that every soul sculpts their destiny in a certain way but not like a map like you say okay i'm gonna do this at this time meet this person at this time i was shown vibrationally that our dynamic internally attracts our outer experience so it was, it's not so much we have a detailed map of at this hour, I'm going to meet this person and this is my destiny. It was that our vibrational frequency and consciousness that's made up of a lot of things keeps generating the mirror that we need to walk through experience until we integrate that vibration fully as ourselves, alchemize it and have a, then a choice of what we want to experience. But if we don't acknowledge that we're in the creator creation activity with our world we just will run around like a victim you know at effect of in effect of which is most of our children our inner children feel that way so this experience of choosing my body was like being reborn because i didn't know we chose i didn't know i was an eternal so all of that just happened bam and yes, I want to be in my body and I'm committed to learning about love and love is all that matters to me and nothing else really is relevant. And so I got back in my body and then my, my quest was, what don't I love here and how am I gonna? And of course, the first thing that happened is my mother and father were furious that I was leaving my husband that they loved. You know, he was part of our family and, and he's a beautiful guy and he wasn't right for me. It was really hard to explain. And so I had to distance myself from their agenda and really ask, okay, well, who is my ex-husband in me? Okay, well, who's that police officer that just pulled me over in me? Okay, who, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. 
and I would I started meeting my eternal masculine all of my male energy that had been perpetrator had been a victim had been you know different races African chiefs to Native American parts to ancient European energies and peasants and you know not glorious figures you know a lot of people oh I was Cleopatra in my best life <laughs> you know it was not glorious for me <laughs> and there were those energies that were very high frequency but they were manipulative and then the feminine aspects and then every person I met became this incredible initiation of integrating self but self from the big S and yet fascinating enough now looking back those identities burned up like when I close my eyes and feel my inner inner uh, sanctuary and my inner field of self those identities are not uh, personal to me anymore their wisdom is in me the experience of healing the male female division that I had to do is in me but the identities now aren't relevant to my journey which is fascinating because these are new times so the soul alchemy work that I do <clears throat> that I call soul alchemy came from that initiation and then pursuing that question and then learning from people that would put their hands on me what worked and what didn't in my healing quest and uh, really worked with a lot of different kinds of healers and modalities and through then I met my current husband and it was really clear to me that <clears throat> it wasn't the modalities that healed it was the love field mm -hmm. and that's where soul alchemy was born it was with my husband uh, of 23 years now that we committed to saying let's uncover what works practically on this earth and let's dismantle what doesn't and a lot of the dismantling has been pretty provocative because it, it pushes right up against a lot of our training as practitioners as healers you know whether they're ancient strategies like acupuncture to you know um, some of the more, more classic uh, medicines that that we've all studied whether it's naturopathic or medical model or whatever it is the real healing uh, agency is love frequency mm. when the practitioner is with someone so we've cultivated now uh, a way by which we help people reclaim that through a rainbow light process and that process is really our nature meaning we turn on our nature using a technique that we've cultivated over gosh I'd say thousands of millions of years because <laughs> it's really not mine I mean I, I don't feel like I own it I'm just a uh, a carrier, I would say, of something so authentic to so many of us that it, we recognize it. Yeah, so soul alchemy came from wanting to heal myself, needing to understand deeply what creates wholeness in my body, current time, opens frequencies of self-love, dismantles what's not love, and then re-engages with love of another and re-engages with repairing where love is broken, mm -hmm. either in, internally and externally, and repairing our connection to earth, Emily. And that's, you know, I could I start chilling as I'm saying that to you because to me, the uh, interference or the separation forces, as I've tracked the causal levels of where most people are suffering, 
it is the disconnect from their nature, from their earth. And when you get traumatized early on and that damage to the first, second chakra happens, whether a swack on the bottom or a penetration of unwelcome touch to a shame frequency in a church, whatever it could be, where we say my body is not love and this earth is a prison planet and nothing else. And why the hell am I here? It must be because I'm being punished. Now those whole paradigms of shame for having a body mm-hmm. you know they disconnect us from our very love nature mm-hmm. and uh this has been my biggest um uh, vocalization cry out to the universe stand on top of the mountaintop we are love you know our bodies know what love is they always have and when we are told not to listen to our bodies we don't know how to guide ourselves Mm -hmm. and yet our bodies are overlaid also with ancestral judgment and you know imprinting of abuse and it's not like they don't have frequencies and energies that are not love they do but that's from conditioning that's from programming that's not our nature so my goodness my work is really about self-empowerment and deconstructing everything you told yourself that's not you and every belief and structure in society that you've ingested that's not you and so physical healing happens miracles in our bodies happen when people start to claim that for themselves and i'm not necessarily guiding that physical healing that physical healing is happening because your being has claimed back its nature and your body starts to show you what you need and then we we build a sanctuary and many people have done sanctuary work inner sanctuary work i think the first time i i i heard about it besides what i cultivated was with um the inner child work that got really popular in the 80s i can't remember his name right in this moment but the sanctuary work is the key to conscious soul retrieval and uh so there's the rain, that's part of the rainbow light practice is you activate your connection to source and earth. You clear what's not you. You reclaim your capacity to call back what is you. And then you cultivate the inner sanctuary of knowing of your eternal essence in current time only. And that and for you that knows the dimensions so well, Emily, oh my gosh, so aware of how these dimensions impact us through the cosmos. We have one commitment that's so profound for most people. My multidimensional soul is here to serve present time. I'm not here to serve it. And so what that does is it reverses the polarity of being so spiritually polarized out of our bodies. And then we say, okay, all my gifts from Cleopatra, all my gifts from my peasantry, all my gifts from wherever, Arcturian to Sumerian to wherever, serious, like I have so many galactic parts. Y'all gotta get it together and be the one family inside of my body to serve one purpose, which is love in present time. Hmm. And boy, does that alchemize folks in the internal. Hmm. Thus, soul alchemy the soul alchemy the word alchemy is ancient it's not mine 
but it's the, the transmutation process necessary. If you want outer peace, you got to get your parts on board. Your inner child's got to stop rebelling from your inner feminine that says, no, we're not going to have 10 pounds of chocolate because you're depressed today. <laughs> and your feminine has to stop manipulating when she's hurt with the male. And the male has to say, okay, I'm going to feel my feelings. I'm not going to be defensive and all shut down. You know, whatever the patterns, they're right there. And they're in us. We don't have to look very far. It's usually, uh, you know, the guy or the gal in the next door or our neighbor or maybe even our sibling. <laughs> you know, whoever you got the biggest charge with is usually your biggest teacher mm -hmm. around this issue. Mm -hmm. So, so alchemy was born of all of that and mostly through healing my denials and my obstacles towards loving and being loved in my marriage mm -hmm. and then having babies and like, wow. So it's really anchored in family mm. in uh, what is in my inheritance that doesn't work. What is my eternal soul here to transmute? You know, what is my life showing me that is really the medicine, not the curse mm. for mm -hmm. my evolution, which is why relationship repair is to me the doorway to the eternal love that we've all craved here. Mm. Yeah. Okay, there's so much here, Robin. This is amazing. And I, I love the this kind of distillation of what's what's really going on and what's the priority and what is the the essence of the work that yeah. you know that we're I think all here to do. But I, I want to come back to coming into the body because I think it's also fascinating that you were a dancer. Yeah. And yet I wasn't in my body. Right. And and I think this is so relatable. And so oh, yeah. many people, if not <clears throat> everyone, it seems, has a journey of returning to the body. Yeah. And I think especially a lot of, you know, quote, spiritual people who feel more comfortable floating around out there in the astral and, you know, take me back to my home planet or whatever. Oh, yeah. This earth is too hard. <clears throat> so can you. Can you say a little bit about how, like, how did that process happen for you in terms of anchoring back into the, the physical? Well, there was another uh, trauma awakening moment besides my near-death experience. Um, well, several after my near-death, I then pursued whatever I needed to love next. And I wasn't guided by practicality or making money. And um, there was a couple of events that, that really turned my life back to earth, you could say. Right after my near-death experience, I just constantly pursued the next thing that was in front of me. And if my heart opened, I just went for it. And I had a relationship um, that was very short-lived, but I got pregnant and I chose to have the child, beautiful mixed race son and fell in love with this bass player, jazz man, like head over heels, and then got to be initiated in really the ancient work of slavery in my own body, his ancestors, my son's ancestors, and the amount of rage uh, for slavery in our continent and beyond, you know, throughout the whole world, slavery has been going on. So I really started the transmutation process then, but I received a lot of, um, 
uh, very unpleasant and painful experiences, he tried to kill himself four times. And he went into a deep depression after the, after the baby was born. So the, that initiated me into, wow, I can't stay just in my healing work. I got to provide for this boy. And at nine, when he was nine months old, my, my partner left and, and he spun out. So this was just like, okay, just healing myself in this esoteric way. I, I've got to get really practical. I got to feed my son, you know, so that really grounded me a lot. And yet I kept asking the question. And then I came to Santa Fe from St. Louis, Missouri, because that ex-partner uh, said, hey, let's heal here, which about lasted three months. You know, we didn't do too well. He wasn't able to commit to a process of any kind. So then I got initiated into some healing work with a woman here in Santa Fe that became kind of a mentor, but I was told not to read anything. I was told not to study. I was told to remember. And she initiated me, initiated me into medicine work, uh, plant medicine, which I had no experience with drugs, hardly at all. I was pretty, um, you know, alcohol a little bit as a teenager, a little weed, but not much. So I really hadn't journeyed with substances. So I was initiated for a good bit of time to help her with people on substances because the first time I did one, it just like I didn't feel that different. <clears throat> it was like I was kind of in this love field pretty much. A lot and I, I was out of my body still which I didn't know so during these journeys it got more <clears throat> and more dangerous because there was less and less safety that I was watching that she couldn't hold and she kept asking me to help more and more and more and in one particular experience a woman um, took a second dose of ecstasy and I couldn't stop the process it was with my mentor who I confronted and it was so devastating because she died through choking. Mm. Not, she started throwing up and she choked. And it, uh, I'm disclosing this uh, on your podcast. I felt completely responsible, even though I did everything I could. I gave her mouth to mouth. I did everything I knew to do. And I was not uh, in that state. I was very grounded and, and uh, I couldn't save her life. And I then stopped all healing work, did everything I could to reconcile with her soul, did everything I could do to reconcile with her family, and I was devastated. And that initiated me into the stake in the ground, one could say, that if it's harming the body, it's not loving for God. Mm. So medicine journeys, you know, sacred ceremonies where you hook your chests up for indigenous purposes. I mean, I, I had done sweat lodges and I had studied all sorts of sacrifice the body, then you'll get elevated. Mm. You know, it, so I went into this depth of commitment to the earth and my body, which said, if it hurts my body, it will hurt creator creation. Mm -hmm. There is no difference because we were checked out to not be able to save her life, to not be able to know she was in trouble, unexcusable in, in my body. It was inexcusable for me. So I had to do a lot of forgiveness and her soul of course was part of this, but it was so devastating Emily that I, um, I was like, I don't know if I should do anything with anyone ever again. So there was about three years of darkness 
of not wanting to try to help anyone. And then when I made that real transition to this too was a part of me, she was a dancer. She was bulimic. She was incested. She couldn't throw up because she damaged her esophagus. It wasn't my fault per se. It was this dynamic that happened for an initiation for her mm -hmm. and us. And she, she just couldn't get back in her body. She didn't want it bad enough. You know, there's so many reasons these things happen. And there's then the huge mystery that who knows. But what it did for me is I, it, it placed me in a position of um, how does love want to express in my life around this issue? Mm -hmm. So I was not going to do any medicine. I became very, you know, purist. <laughs> and I got very uh, committed to healing with the dimensional work, conscious soul retrieval, getting in the body. Why do we have a body in the first place? Let's really become embodied. And i that's before I met my husband currently. So I had that initiation and then I met him at 39. So very painful initiation. Horrible. Sacrificing our bodies for what? And then it, you know, it shows the Christ twist that so many people believe in. Sacrificing body for the purposes of elevating us to God. All of that just became nonsense to me. And it's, it, it is a path. I don't want to judge anyone that's choosing that path, whether one's indigenous in ceremonial or, you know, believing we have to sacrifice ourselves to save our children. I would still run in front of a car for my child. But in terms of healing work, in terms of going into healing ourselves, the only thing I'm willing to sacrifice is the lie of who we're not. Mm. And we are not here to cause harm. Mm. In my view, we are not here to harm our bodies or to harm another. That's nah, nada, nada. Mm -hmm. It's not part of why we're here. Mm -hmm. So as you can see, I'm, I'm still emotional around it because I feel so strongly that this is the misdirected spiritual work that we've got to repair. Yeah. And I confront young people all the time. I, most of my clients are coming out of the medicine plant journey experience where they can't get in their bodies. They've been, you know, they've been elevated into plant medicine and see the dimensions and see the worlds of potentiality. They see the divinity of everything and then they can't integrate. Right. They can't ground it or even following a guru, some of the most blessed gurus uh, of initiation, but they can't, they're in bliss and they can't make their life work. You know, why is that? Because they're not going into the shadow material of their wounds in their body that they need to address in order to hold the love. Right. And every time you have high states of frequencies of love, what's not love comes up. And most people don't know that. They think they got to do another journey. They got to get another session. They got to go see another guru. They got to da 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 da. And really what's happening is alchemy. Wow, I just made love with my husband or my wife or my partner and I feel like I want to kill myself the next day. What the heck's going on? Well, the high frequencies of love are flushing up. And so what do people do that don't want to feel? They stop avoiding, they avoid intimacy. They avoid situations that are expanding the love field in their bodies. They get isolated and numb. Yikesies.
Right. Well, and if people don't understand the process that you just described, then it might they might come to a, a erroneous conclusion based on their experience that oh, opening up like this is not a good thing. I'll shut down to that, or I'll keep chasing right. the next light experience. Yes, yeah. and I have a lot of um, sadness around this issue because you know so many women my age, I'm 63, have given up on um, love and intimacy, uh, and they follow their their spiritual messages but their messages aren't anchored in what their body is wanting and i'm not talking about sexual intimacy that's a beautiful thing beautiful place but that changes when you get older it's really a, a, the depth of sharing love in the tissue whatever that could be mm -hmm. which so many grandmas have with their grandchildren you know what a beautiful wisdom space for women to the guardians of gorgeous children that are being born right now. Mm. Wow. But intimacy with an adult is a different thing. Mm. Mm -hmm. Another adult. So. Okay. And I want to come back to that. <laughs> there's, there's so much, Robin, I, I want you to write your memoir. I mean, just your, <laughs> your personal experience is just so profound and wow. What, what, um, incredible initiations that yeah. you know could could have completely shattered or maybe did shatter you and yeah. you were able to bring it yeah to bring the pieces back together and it is a continual journey where if if there's another part that i haven't not met or a part of my body and i get a lot of body work which sustains me beautifully but the, i'm i'm always willing to feel and meet more of me that, that is uh, awakening to more awareness. Mm. You know, awareness is our safety. Mm. Awareness is our safety. I have a dear friend that says that all the time that's uh, studied rolfing and biodynamic healing work and cranial sacral. He's just a great guy. And we have that alignment. Awareness is our safety. Not checking out. Yay. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, so I want to take your profound wisdom, profound and hard-won wisdom of this um, perspective that you have and turn it toward like zooming out to the big picture. Yeah. And so how do you see, I mean, I know there's so many ways we could frame where we're at collectively and a lot of them could be very uh, depressing and negative and apocalyptic and terrifying and whatever. And I know that you hold a different perspective on what's actually like, what's the deeper process that's unfolding yes. for us in the collective right now. So yeah. Can you speak to that? Yes. Thank you. So I'm actually going to do a prayer with you right now, mm. because there's something that wants to be revealed that I haven't thought, thought through or, or I've ever said before, mm. if that's okay with you. Yeah. Okay, because you're connected to many, many beings, and I want to talk to them as well as you, if that's okay. Right. All right. <sighs> Creator creation, beautiful source, love on this earth, in this earth, emerging from this earth. I welcome now the synergy with Emily 
and all that listen to this podcast and all that are affected by these words and our frequency for we are all one in our quest to ground more love. I ask to serve that which will be activated in your own knowing, a remembering of what is true at this time that is needed to ground in each person's own instincts and intuition and embodiment. I thank you, beautiful source and earth to synergize with Emily and all that are here in the future from this moment forward that need to hear and want to hear and want to remember what you already know about what you need. And as I open to you, I allow what needs to be spoken to come through all of us. Thank you, thank you, thank you, beloved source and earth. Thank you, thank you, thank you. So the first thing I'd like to invite people to consider is just like I spoke a moment ago, the principle of love is anything unlike love itself has to come up into the field of the earth. Why do our bodies hurt? Why are we becoming seemingly so toxic? Why do I have a rash that I never had before except when I was four? Why do my knees hurt? Why, 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 why? When there's a high frequency of love generated from Earth, from our bodies, and we say yes to it, which is happening, you know, cosmically, you're talking about it, Emily, the Earth is going through a transition. It feels like it's already mostly happened, but our bodies have to join it. And in order to join that, we have to cleanse, purify, purge, transmute what we have not loved in us. And so that can look all sorts of ways for all sorts of people. It can look like your relationship that you've been denying is unpleasant and doesn't generate nourishment is now on the table to end or transform. It can look like this job that I was being served by for so long, I could kind of go and numb out and do the thing that I really care about. You can't compartmentalize anymore. The you that's at the center of your being has to be everywhere. We can't put ourselves on shelves and then go do something else and then go back and put that part back in our bodies. No, we are who we are everywhere we are. And if we try to split that apart, we are going to be miserable, miserable. So anytime that we're playing out identities and we're not unified in that identity, we are going to be in suffering because that gap attracts energies that want to feed off of us. Mm. Mm. What is it that's leaving? There are interdimensional entities on this plane and many planes of our uh, realities that don't know how to connect to source. And this is the key. They either don't want to, they don't know how to, or they biologically can't. And there is as many theories about this as there are probably people. <laughs> and uh, as you've interviewed, um, Kate Montana, the Cracking the Matrix, she researches all this. I experienced this very soon after my near-death experience. These are beings that are not human. They are non-human in their identities. They are non-human in their perception of themselves. But they often integrate into a human form. Mm. They're masquerading as human because they're into the human life force field, feeding off the human 
genetics sometimes woven into the genetics, woven in through an ancestor, woven into our psyche, our mental body most often is being interfered with by these beings. Because the mental spiritual body is usually regulating what we're thinking about and where thought goes we follow usually, that's how we've been programmed, these beings usually infiltrate the mind first, but not always. They often can come in through the astral realm, unhealed emotional pain mm. that we don't want to feel. So what's happening is those beings that are not us are acting out. That are acting not out through us, just to through us, clarify. but around us. Okay. Around us. So who are those folks that are really hijacked? We don't have to look very far. <laughs> It's anybody that wants more money, more money, more, more power, more uh, sex that's addicted, that's trying to get high, trying to get somewhere else other than what is. There are folks that are so obsessed and compulsive in an in a arena where they cannot feel the purpose of love in their body. It's just not enough. Everybody, I believe, has a spark of love in them, even if they've got these entities on them. And that's what I go for whenever I'm with someone is can I help fan that spark of love so they can feel the difference between their spark of love and what's not them. So on the planet that's at this time, there is a purging of and the acting out of what is calling for healing. Now, in the past, I used to believe I could just send love to those dark forces and I could heal them because for heaven's sake, I've integrated my Christ consciousness. And if I bless them enough, they're just, yeah, they're going to heal. Oh my gosh, was that ridiculous. I've only learned that that doesn't work through experience. A lot of my clients early on were in cults and satanic abuse patterns and in CIA operatives and mm -hmm. in horrific dark force stuff, because that was my initiation. I was like, I got to figure out how to love everything on the planet. Right. So, well, my being said, all right, check this out. We got, you know, people that can kill. How can they get there? So everyone I ever worked with that could kill was taken over by another being. Mm -hmm. It was not their nature. And they were programmed into it through their trauma. Mm -hmm. So with this understanding, I look at the murders, I look at the war, I look at the annihilation of our earth uh, through all sorts of toxicity, all of that through those eyes. Ah, this is the non-human masquerade acting out. And what can we do? Become more empowered, sacred stewards of being human and say no. But we can't say no by sacrificing our physical body. We're not going to go up on the cross and bleed ourselves into sacrificing ourselves to save other. That isn't working. Oh, we've got to get engaged. We have to get engaged at the very base level of our life. If you don't appreciate or uh, like something that's happening in your home, you've got to address it. Then from that, you get invited into, ah, I'm in this council all of a sudden talking about the water in my neighborhood. Oh, oh, the next thing. Whoa, I actually care about what's happening at my school. If we disengage from what's right in front of us and don't see that as part of our love path, we are missing the moment. 
everything that's allowed to happen in our face right in front of us without us speaking up, without us doing something, without our opinion about it, without the love coming into that space to say, this does not feel loving to my body. This is not correct. When we allow that, we are giving our power away to these forces that are not more powerful than us, but we've just handed it over. So we've become a very big, complacent Western culture, in my view. And then if you're still believing that you're at, uh, you know, you're just here as a victim on this planet and you're waiting for your next meal from the authority that feeds you, you're, you're disengaged from the power that this earth has given us to be nourished by it. So we are returning, in my opinion, to the truth that we have way more power than we realized. Mm -hmm. We are being invited to action, love and action, which is, you know, I talk about that all the time. Love is not just a frequency. It engenders and nourishes vitality and mm -hmm. action mm -hmm. in your body. So for me, the love warriors, it's like this. Do, 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 da, 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 da. <laughs> They're being called. Are you going to? What you gonna do? What's in your body to do? What you gonna do? And that everyone has different instructions, so to speak, uh, inner messages, inner impulses, but we can't go around saving anybody. It's not gonna work. We have to come from our wholeness and, and work with those that recognize our frequency as love, see who we really are, and let go, unfortunately, painfully, of people that want to naysay, put us down, not join the team, you know, of love and action mm -hmm. and reconcile those relationships as best as you can, but not spend our energy trying to collaborate with people that don't have a basic commitment to themselves, mm -hmm. to love themselves. So, so from this perspective, we could see all the quote negative or destructive things happening in the world as a kind of, cleansing or reveal yes. um and and our job as that's all happening i mean i was really struck by how you described how the entities get in yeah. because you're pretty much describing our entire culture or the you know the dominant culture right the, this gap between our if i'm getting this right like our authentic like wherever we're not living our truth and in our right. authentic selves and then if we're chasing after you know money or what's going to feel you know the addiction and uh, and all of that and then i'm just struck also by how we're so bombarded with terrible things that are happening that we really have no power over that distract us or keep us kind of spun out so that we're not paying attention to what's actually calling for our attention or where we could right. use our attention in a productive way because yeah. we're so worried about what's happening in Ukraine or so you know someplace where yeah. like there's nothing I can do about that um so yeah I mean that's I, and that's purposeful right so so where are the committees in your neighborhood where are the gatherings of on Maui you know I've been wanting to support inspiration there to get folks to start talking to each other where it, it, this is the sacred activism time what does it mean to collaborate with other and start building trust in your intention 
to find right action in your community, mm-hmm. in your home, in your family. Mm-hmm. Because the staying stuck on the internet or information that comes through this means of media that is not connected to your own body, in, you know, it, 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 it creates this sense of powerlessness over and over again. Right. So, you know, this is like, wow, what an initiation into what's real in your life and handling it. Right. And it seems like starting with that, starting within ourselves and that sort of committee, that internal committee and coming to terms with everything there. And as you're describing it, it's like, yeah, starting with my body and then addressing my maybe immediate environment to the local, to the community, to the, yes. whereas we're, we're conditioned to do the exact opposite and to start way out there Right. And not and look in here. intentional. Right. And it's also speaking to the spiritual manipulation that's happened for eons. That's very painful to um, come out of. And this is probably some of the hardest places of transformation for people because they've, whether they've been in different religious paths or meditation paths or whatever the path is that serve their life. To honor it is so important, but to also see how does this path take me out of the truth of what I really feel mm. about anything and mostly your one's outrage. When you get really in your body and you feel the lies and how outrageous they are about who we are and what we should be doing and the compliance that's been offered up as our medicine, oh my gosh and that's the fire of our spiritual integrity that i mm. you know have been listening to and cultivating and working with uh, for a long time in my life and now i feel people are joining me in such a way that i'm not a leader per se i i am a leader but i'm also not i feel we're in this all together we have to learn from each other out of hierarchy We have to dismantle hierarchy in our inner world where the mind is not telling matter what to do, that there is a union of mind, matter, spirit, form, soul, body, emotion, mental, all the bodies have to unify with that multidimensional commitment. And from that wholeness, I really believe we're going to be great. We're going to do great, but it's not going to look like we thought and the plat, the the process is going to be messy as hell and it's going to surprise you if you're out of your body mm. you're going to be in shock if you're out of your body mm-hmm. so my my biggest encouragement to your listeners is to do whatever it takes to feel get in your body let your outrage come up express it sing it dance it get in a get in a group where people can dance and roar and howl like the wolf up to the full moon, do whatever it takes to move the outrage to the, from the, from being lied to into your empowerment for action. Well, and, and let's, um, let's spend a little time here with the anger because aren't we not supposed to get angry if we're spiritual? (laughs) Doesn't that harsh our love vibe to be in anger? Oh, bless your heart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I remember with my my partner that I had a child with, uh, 
he always said, you know, Robin, the anger you see in me is in you too. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> and I just never could connect to it during that time until I said, who is he in me? Anger is our vitality to say this works, this doesn't. When we are told over and over again, you don't have a voice. This is what you have to do. You'll get mommy's smile if you do exactly what I say. You'll get the A, you'll get the A, you'll get the B, you'll get the higher marks if you're compliant. If you shit, sit on that anger and don't speak up. So this is our literal messenger of truth. Mm. Of what is loving and what is not. Anger only becomes toxic when it's suppressed, denied, disconnected from, fractured out, and then those lovely beings know how to eat it and channel it towards blame, resentment, bitterness, cancer, disease, hernias, prostate cancer, uterine cancer, breast cancer. When you can't have a voice from your yes and no in your body, you're furious. And when you don't ever let that out, and have a voice in your life. That anger cannot serve its purpose, which is to guide you with what's right for you and not right for you. Mm. And if you can get a whole culture to dismantle their connection to their anger and their boundaries, you got them. You got them by the short and curlies. <laughs> you got them, Emily. You can trick them into anything. Mm. And I, I've worked with these forces. I know how they work. They want you to go out of your body when you're angry. They want you to channel your anger into abuse of another. They want you to perpetrate another with your anger and blame somebody for your trigger. And boy, is this culture avoiding triggers these days. Mm. Okay, warning, warning. I might disturb your little denial set of frequencies in your body. Watch out. <laughs> In our community, we're like, hey, trigger. Yeah, baby, go down in there. Let's journey. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> okay, and let's let's also talk about fear because the you know new age world would say love is the opposite of fear. So we also shouldn't be feeling any fear and we should run from that and right be yeah. very scared of that. So how, what would you say about fear? Well, because I never, I had not uh, studied with any gurus or any Eastern philosophy, I have just not, I didn't read until recently, to be completely frank. I didn't even know where the teachings came from, per se, except meeting my own guru self from the East, from India, when I had to integrate my own guru consciousness and my ascended master consciousness. And it was those parts of my set, myself that said, you don't have to feel fear, just stay over here in this field. So I learned about this by doing it in my own body. Again, I wanna preference that. Mm. So I'm not here judging any particular guru or any particular message from any particular teacher. This is what I learned in my own multidimensional integration. So I just wanna say that. So in the guru matrix of my being, purpose was to pull energy and light by helping people avoid their bodies, their fear and their anger. Mm. And the purpose was is to get people out of their bodies so other beings could feed off of those negative emotions. 
and much of the incest abuse of young women that we have heard over and over again with gurus where they have a following i mean right here in espanola right here i don't need to name him however he's passed now but i've had people in this room with children that were sexually violated at 11 and 12. Mm. This is common, common, common. Why is that? Because the, the, the distorted guru path, just I'll say it distorted, pulls people out of their body so then they can be manipulated in the lower chakras and fed off of sexually. If you're not in your lower chakras, you can't say no. Once you get your spirit in your lower chakras and you say, soul, our work is here to love our fear, then the fear is, again, the teacher of what's actually happened to your body. So you've got to get your fear back from the astral forces, the astral vampires that are feeding off of it. Once the fear comes back to you, then you can process your trauma. Once you can process your trauma, there's no gap between what's happening in your body and your spirit and your conscious mind and your uh, emotional body. You're, you're, you're not gapped out anymore. You're unified. If you can't love your fear in your body, you can't heal your trauma. So you loop and you loop and you loop into another technique, another process, another meditation. And you meet somebody that triggers your original trauma and you can't even look at them in the face. Your life is going to keep showing you where you don't want to love yourself or you don't love your trauma. It's going to keep coming up. Why? Because your eternal soul is calling for healing. Your nature is to become whole. When your life keeps showing you a trigger, it's because your in infinite intelligence is saying, love that fear finally so we can be done with it. When I love the core of my fear, it's not a monster anymore. It's just another energy of frequency. And now when fear is in my system, it's like, oh, something new. Wow, come on, show me. And I let it express. I let it move. I let it shake. That's why movement is so important. And all the trauma research talks about animals going into trauma, shaking it through. That's our nature. <laughs> you know, let it move. Mm -hmm. And once it moves, then the wisdom comes. Oh. But if the body is suppressed, if the spirit says no, if we have all this control through belief systems that we're not allowed to be ourselves and in our body's nature, we can't process our fear, our anger, our terror, our shock, our trauma, our move, you know, we can't do it. Mm. So this is a combo of multidimensional understanding of entities and how fear, claiming fear, anger, love, guilt, and shame is also not us but being able to own where that's showing up and learning how to move beyond all those frequencies of control. But it doesn't mean you stop feeling those. Being evolved does not mean you never feel fear or anger. You actually feel it really intensely. It moves really quick. You're done and you're like, wow. <laughs> and that's what it's like. That's, that's what rainbow light is like. That's what our community is like. That's what's pretty potent about these times is if you don't resist, it will not persist. It will move. Mm. And if you have a good container of loving support, it will move with grace. But mm. if you're trying to do this alone, forget about it. You're going to be in trouble because it's a relational wound. It needs to heal in relationship. Mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
I, I'm just getting this image like with the if we're not if we're not feeling the feelings, then someone else is snacking on them. But yep. the way you describe feeling it's almost like we're eating like we're really taking it in, like really allowing yeah. ourselves to fully yes. eat the fear or eat the anger and let it just yeah, oh, I would move say, all the way through us. Yes, I would say because it isn't really consuming is what the entities do, mm -hmm. literally. What our bodies do when it's free, it experiences the frequency and the belief structures in that fear. Mm. So your mental body cannot process fear for the body. The mental body can observe it and welcome with allowance, the healing process that the body knows how to do of fear. But the mental body then gets insight about the moment that fear got energized. The mental body can observe and have infinite connection to the mind of, of the creator, of God, if you will. However, it cannot direct the healing of the body. The body knows how to do it already. The emotions know how to move themselves. The river doesn't need someone saying, hey, river, why don't you try to go to the right over there? How about I try it over there? <laughs> the emotional body, the river of life knows how to move. We don't need to direct it. The mind doesn't need to direct it. The mind has to say yes. So when fear moves, it turns to excitement. When anger moves, it turns into passion for action. Mm. When guilt and shame leave your body, it turns into worth and value of self. Guilt and shame are not a human emotion. They're mm. actually the interference. They suppress the vibration of the river moving. Mm. And I only learned this through diving in with the, uh, the, the satanic cult work through the Catholic church. If I can get you to feel ashamed, and guilty and take on that matrix in the mind, I can suppress your natural movement in your body because your body is sin after all, right? Then that sexual healing starts to happen with all, how did all of these children got abused by pre-simile? They had to buy the lie hook, line and sinker that they're sinners in a body. Mm -hmm. How could this go on for eons of time? Priests abusing our babies, how come, how come, how come? How did mothers allow that? How did fathers allow that? They had to feel guilty and ashamed of their own sexuality and not love their child's sexuality or their, you know, I could go on and on about this <laughs> because I'm very passionate as you can see. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So all of our emotional mm -hmm. body transforms into medicine. Mm. All the negative emotions, once they're loved, they have a path of healing. That's our nature. <laughs> mm -hmm. So powerful. Okay, and, and I know we're, we're coming up on, on the hour, but I just wanna go back to what you were just saying about how because our wounds happened in relationship, we need to heal in relationship, which is, I mean, talk about shame, right? It's like, oh, I don't want anyone to see this part. I'm just gonna hole up and, go really deep in myself and heal this and make it all look good before I have to engage with anyone else. But that doesn't seem to work, right? So yeah, what it, tell us what you've learned about having to heal through relationship, meeting other people to do that work. Oh, wow. 
this is so dear to my my heart because it to me is really the call of the Aquarian age. Mm -hmm. So most of my healing work, uh, the first after my near death experience was so alone because I was just trying to say, how do I love this? And how do I talk to God, talk to mother God, talk to the, I was trying to do it in that esoteric question uh, individually. And I felt so alone in my family. And then I started building relationships based on let's find out the truth that, of how to heal this. So that was the purpose. And then when I met my husband, uh, Joseph, it was clear that, oh, I would love to be able to go do this on the table with my body worker, but it actually comes up when you're, you know, saying that to me, the way you just said it, it's actually coming up when we're making love and I can't, I go, I disassociate. So all of the techniques I discovered were how do I stay present and how does a person hold space? for you when you're in the middle of a trigger. Mm. So that has to do with having a inner system of yes, I want to feel my triggers. So number one, in a relationship, you've got to first have a foundation that everything is welcome to rise. And number two, when projection comes up that it's all about them, that we know we're not going to stay with that. That's the first level. That's level one of, oh, you really hurt my feelings. And yes, they probably did, but really why? And you know, if you only answer the question why through your mind, you're gonna be in trouble. So the third agreement is, I'm going to do this while you're holding space for me. And I'm gonna feel these feelings and move to the, the first moment that I ever felt this way. Mm. So in our pods, we have healing pods you know, three to four to five to six people. We practice doing that with each other. So sometimes we practice a moment in time that I was triggered at the grocery store and I bring it to the pod. Sometimes it's with somebody in the pod. That's when the work gets really juicy, where you are, okay, I, I can't find my love for you. Who are you and me? So the relationship dynamic becomes the invitation to everyone evolving. And the way that intimate relationships function really beautifully is when they have so much playtime where they can feel the beauty of feeling safe in their bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's their positive resource that says, oh, this is worth it. So many people say, why is it, what's the point? I don't want to ship it, ship it, ship it. I don't want to feel that stuff in a relationship. It's a pain. It's my drama trauma. Yuck. Well, you got to get somebody to say, yeah, I got mine. You got yours. Let's do them together. If you don't have somebody that wants to feel their own feelings and they're holding a, a defense barrier that they just believe in with a rationalization of, you know, 10,000 years of reasons why they're not going to open it's going to be a hard go. And this is, you can heal with someone like that, but you're not going to have fun. Right. Healing with another is fun because the positive frequencies of love going back and forth are ecstatic. You think, you know, meditating and being blissed out is ecstatic. Try being in love fields with another human that wants love too and is sharing love too. Try that out. Woohoo! It's why we're here. It's why we're on the earth. Mm. And we know that feeling when we love a baby and a baby loves us and there's no blockage. There's no issues, 
you know, other than, yeah, okay, I didn't sleep well because he's whatever. You know, yeah, life gives us issues, but the point being, you have to have a clear commitment that I am willing to be responsible for what's rising in my system that's blocking me from love. Mm. And that's a huge piece. Uh, we sometimes use the Hendrix work of the Six Agreements. They did some great work, Gay and Kathleen. Love them. You know, we go multidimensional with it. Uh, I would revise them. And we have our own different agreements that we make in our community. But in your healing process, you have to have foundational agreements of what you're going to do when the pain surfaces and how are you going to navigate it in a safe way. Mm. And if you can't get those agreements, I'd say don't journey. Because it's not safe to journey into your triggers with another person. You can do it in therapy, but you're still eventually you're going to need to be able to go to that person and want to open. So that's why I created Sustainable Love. My husband named our organization Sustainable Love. Mm. Love is something you have to choose. Well, love is here, but in order to keep it going in relationship, to sustain love, you have to keep doing your work. You have to keep being honest. You have to be willing to be transparent. You have to do your own energizing of feeling and releasing what's not you and coming back to what is you and then relating from that authentic nature mm -hmm. oh robin you are just a a fount of so much incredible wisdom and practical wisdom so useful i love it i just feel like i could listen to you all day but i will i won't do that but before i let you go let people know how to find you how to find your work and if you have any upcoming events or offerings that you want to tell people about well, if someone listens to this in Santa Fe, we are having a beautiful retreat to learn rainbow light. And then we're going to be having men and women's group um, come out off of that retreat. And I believe it's on the website. And I didn't look, but I believe it's the uh, third Saturday here coming up in October. Hmm. Um, SustainableLove.com is our website. We are also, if you choose to learn rainbow light online, that's very easy to do. We have 11 practitioners and you can go online and look at those practitioners that can teach rainbow light. I also teach rainbow light. I'm just uh, a little harder to book with. So these folks I've just graduated, they're beautiful young people and some elders that are just, they're so excited to initiate people into their own self-healing. So you can go on the practitioner page and pick a practitioner 45 minute free interview. You can do that with me as well. My personal uh, email is robin at sustainablelove.com and also info at sustainablelove.com and you can ask questions there. And the other event that's that I'm really excited about um, that is to me being generated as we speak. Uh, we have been initiated by the rainbow light of our own being, but it is connected to prophecies that have been spoken by so many tribes of the Rainbow Tribe. Some of you know of that that are listening, but it's basically the people that know they're here for love, no matter what your racial background, to be stewards of the upcoming new earth grid. Mm. And the simplest way I can say that is that you know you're, you belong to a, to a people that isn't race-based but your racial background is honored. Mm. 
-hmm. in your medicine. So if, if you can imagine every race of the planet, and when Michael Jackson's saying we are the world and there was every racial group you could imagine, we've all had the image in our subconscious. If everyone could love each other, wow. Well, you have to do the interracial healing here. So we are having a rainbow light, if you will, uh, for the rainbow tribe, mutual ceremony between Maui and New Mexico mm. on the solstice. And we are gathering the people that are interested in that and our the site that we're going to do the ceremony hasn't been determined, but we're not doing a traditional ceremony. We are coming together and using songs from all people, all tribes, but we're not following any one one particular way of doing ceremony. We're letting it come through the sharing. So it's uh, it's quite unique. And then the folks on Maui that we're really close to are doing it for the land of Maui to open the connection of the rainbow bridge between mm -hmm. Haleakala, which is the beautiful mountain there, and some of the mountain ranges here. Some are in Taos, some are here in Santa Fe. There's some big medicine where Earth is celebrating us. And we are celebrating our Earth connection and we are welcoming what it takes to be energetically supported by the new earth grid, letting go of the old and being one people to support what is correct, whatever that is, which I'm not telling people what's correct for them. I'm saying, go find out and I'll show you how to get in there. But ultimately each person is their own sovereign authority. And this is what I believe the new age is is we must come from our sovereignty. And I'm just looking behind you and look at all that energy rainbows over there in your, in your image, you mm -hmm. know, this energy movement of, of multicolor. So we are racially multidimensionally bound to a unified field that is of all frequencies of life. Mm -hmm. And if anyone's ever seen the images put out around the earth or meditated and seen the tube Tauruses, around a flower, our earth itself, and around our bodies. That's what we're cultivating in our work together. Mm, beautiful. I wanna, the solstice ceremonies. I want to come down for that. So this is the December solstice. The yes. And beautiful. we have constant gatherings here online, also through Rainbow Light Work. And people come can come and do intensives here. We have so much, so many offerings. So great. Well, I'm I'm planning on coming down there since I'm not that Yay. far away. Yay. Wow. Well, thank you so much, Robin. I might have to have you back because there's so much to talk about. And I just really appreciate your perspective and your depth and just a clarity in terms of really getting to the essence of the, the deeper processes that are going mm -hmm. on. It's so helpful when there, there's just so much noise and distraction yeah. and one crisis after another, but to really yeah. understand okay, what is this actually about? And what are, where are we? And, and how can we work with what's happening? And I think it's good news. We mm. are, we are in the transformation of our earth and our bodies. And we can do this to birth the new earth and mm -hmm. in us, and we can do it together. And I, I absolutely am excited about what's happening. And most of my clients are young people. And my young young graduates are working with young people. The future is so exciting. So I 
I love people, Emily, and I love <laughs> our new experience of loving each other. So I'm so happy you invited me here. <laughs> Thank you. And thank you to Kate Montana for connecting us, the brilliant oh, Kate. Yes. And I look forward to more collaboration in the thank future. You, and thank you for ending us on a positive note and higher vision. We we so need that perspective that oh. we're it, it's not it's not the end of the world, or it is the no. end of the world as we know it, and there's a new world yes. being born. And it's happening simultaneously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, beautiful. Thank you, Emily. Blessings to you on your gorgeous commitment to life. <laughs> Thank you, Robin. <laughs>